So here's the thing, entrepreneurs, leaders, salespeople, we all want to create consistent, repeatable, and scalable ways to grow our business and our income. And we want to do it better, faster, and more seamlessly. Why? So we can actually enjoy our lives, take vacations, and spend the quality time we want with the people that we love. How do we do all this without spending a fortune or running ourselves ragged? That's the big question, and this show is dedicated to the answer. Hey, so welcome back to the podcast. Super excited to have Andrew Flackner in the house from Real Scout, uh, president, co-founder, former CEO, which we might or might not get into that. But Andrew, thank you for joining us. Good to be here. Yeah, appreciate it. So you have been on the circuit talking a lot, uh, sharing a lot. You've got, you've got the, you have the ears right now of a lot of very influential people in real estate because of your insights, the way you view the marketplace. So I'm just, I'm really excited that you're sharing with us today. All the listeners are going to get to know you a little bit better and understand why, you know, I'm so impressed with what you're doing and why so many of the CEOs that I'm working with are taking your message and getting it out in front of everybody. So uh, today's going to be really insightful for uh, the brainiacs, the data, you know, data junkies, the, the people that are really paying attention to not just the now of real estate, but where is it going? Um, so first of all, maybe just, you know, for the people that don't know you, give me a little background before I hit you with this one big question I want to start with. So, so who is Andrew? Tell him, tell him the story. Give me your backstory. Sure. Well, first of all, it's an honor to be here because I was following you as a coach, uh, ever since I started my career in real estate. So, uh, I started selling real estate not too far from here in a, a city called Palos Verdes. Yep. Um, I was selling real estate for Keller Williams Realty, um, back when I was in high school. Yeah. So as soon as I turned 18, I began selling homes, fell in love with the industry, realized there was a lot uh, backwards about the industry. Yep. Uh, the biggest thing was that there, w- there wasn't great technology or data available mm-hmm. to brokers and agents. Were you saying that at 18? Uh, were you I was that, feeling were you, it. Were you that guy that didn't date in high school? Like, <laughs> <laughs> tell me more about that. I was feeling it because yeah. I was uh, ill-equipped to serve my clients with great technology. I mean, mm-hmm. they were off using third-party platforms. Uh, I was stuck using the decades-old MLS interface, which is yeah. great for agents to do yeah. their back office work, but it's yeah. not so great at, at being a compelling interface for consumers. No. Um, and so we looked at the landscape and said, hey, wait a second, we can found a company that is designed to serve brokers and agents, which at the time was a pretty controversial idea because mm-hmm. most of the VCs were investing in companies that were designed yeah. to, to disintermediate the Correct. broker and completely Correct. disrupt the industry, turn it upside down. Mm-hmm. And so I'm not here to romanticize the status quo. We actually just thought there was a bigger opportunity in empowering the industry than trying to yes. upend it. And, and empowering the consumer and the agent together and the brokerage, right? All together versus That's only right. one, mm-hmm. right? So, so, okay, how old are you? I'm 31. Okay, so, so people are thinking, so, you know, he looks like he's like 25, right? So congratulations, that's a compliment. <laughs> Thank you. So 31, you started at 18, you jumped into real estate, and then when did you when did you begin this company? Seven years ago, eight years yeah, ago? Yeah, 2012. Okay. Uh, seven years ago, um, I just uh, exited my my last startup and decided that you know I wanted to combine my passion for real estate and my co-founder at the time his mm-hmm. passion for technology and yep. Real Scout was born. Okay, so so maybe just share high level because I I really want to get to this article that you uh, you published on Inman that is got a lot of people talking in a very positive way. And it's really what I want these people to hear today. But first, tell them for the people that don't know, what is Real Scout? What does the company do? Um, so like, I literally just saw my brother and his coach, Eileen Rivera, 
uh, in another office over here, and I said, hey, do you guys know Andrew from Real Scout? And Patrick said, I just signed up today. Right? He's, <laughs> That's in, great. he's in San Diego, right? So, so for people that don't know, what is it? So we are a collaborative home search platform. Uh, we power home search for tens of thousands of agents across the company, uh, mm -hmm. sorry, across the country. Yeah. Um, and this is a platform that is not necessarily a, um, a broker website or an agent website. It's really- I was gonna say, because most agents go, is this just another IDX, No, and, and the reason why is because those things don't really work. And, yeah. and when I was using an IDX, website, uh, my clients were, were, were still using other third parties. And so this yeah. is designed to be further down the funnel. This is designed to uh, uh, to captivate and convert clients that you meet at an open house that come in through referral or repeat mm -hmm. business. So that's where 90% of your business is coming from anyway. Why not take that and boost it and, and, and support it with uh, new software? So, so people, I can, I can already imagine, I wish we, if we were live, I would say, so does everyone know what he just said? Like, what does that mean? Because <laughs> well, we can interpret that middle of the funnel. Some is this, is this, long-term lead follow-up nurturing? Sure. Is this a little behavioral it be. science? It can be. machine learning? Like, what is it? Yeah, it's uh, it's what we call affiliated home search. So mm -hmm. I meet you at an open house. Um, you are in the market searching for a, a listing in this neighborhood or in yeah. this city. Um, I can either refer you to a third party where I'm going to probably lose you because you're going to be distracted by ads for other agents sure. and distractions. Sure. Um, or I can invite you to my branded Real Scout platform mm -hmm. and together we can search uh, on the same network, on the same software. Yes. So you can search for a home just like you would anywhere else. Uh, but now I, as a real estate agent, can see what you're searching for and how your tastes are changing. You said you were searching in this market, now you're searching in that market. I can be a mind reader, I can be a better agent because I'm keeping tabs on your home search and I'm being notified on the parts of my pipeline that are that, that is most likely to convert. Okay, so so a lot of people will say some of that smells like the MLS. Mm -hmm. So so give us the big degrees of separation, and then I'm going into this juicy, crazy question. So sure. give us the big degrees of separation, because some people will say, yeah, well, my MLS kind of does that. Yeah. I hear that all the time. Like, well, my MLS kind of does that. That's right. And it then I have another software that kind of does that. And then I do some email that kind of does that. That's right. Because I think a lot of vendors in our industry, they, they try to go to a, like an end-to-end -end solution, which yeah. means they usually don't do any one thing particularly well. Yeah. Um, and the MLS is a great data store. It's a great interface for mm -hmm. agents uh, to, to conduct their CMAs and their own home search. When it comes to captivating a consumer, I don't think there's anyone in your audience that would say that that the MLS experience competes with the experience that the consumers have come to expect on the portals. Yes. Uh, it just, it doesn't happen. Um, Zillow, Redfin, Trulia, right. Realtor.com, they all spend so much time on that. That's right. And, and invested millions of dollars into mm -hmm. making it really special. Yes. Now, um, that's top of the funnel. When it comes to the middle of the funnel, and we'll mm -hmm. go into more later on that, um, you want to captivate your, your consumer. You want to keep them engaged. You want to keep them um, trusting you and your insights and your data because you are the, the, the professional in the, in, the, um, in the transaction. Okay. I love it. All right. So, so you know, maybe we'll bounce back to Real Scout, but that's perfect. Like that, that gives people a little insight. Sure. And obviously, check out realscout.com. So June 16th, you uh, published a pretty fascinating article on superpowers, right? Specifically, the two superpowers that companies like Facebook, Uber, Airbnb, LinkedIn, and multiple others, you know, every one of those brand names. And, and you talked about how these two superpowers and all these companies, how they took advantage of those superpowers and how that grew their business. And then in the article, you, 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 you shed some light on some real estate companies you thought were close, others that you felt really needed to push. Mm -hmm. um, but why don't we start by just talking about what are those two superpowers and why does it matter to a real estate agent maybe listening different from a team leader, from a lender, or from a CEO that might be listening? Sure. 
So taking a step back, I think that the, the core of any market disruption over the past 20 to 30 years mm -hmm. can actually be, uh, uh, they can be drawn back to these superpowers, these yes. competitive superpowers, which by the way, mm -hmm. um, are incredibly difficult to replicate. Oh yes. So when we talk about um, you know, the world of finance with PayPal, uh, online video with YouTube, uh, mm -hmm. people transportation with Uber, uh, these are all examples where these companies have unleashed these superpowers on their industries and the industry uh, was ill-equipped to, uh, to compete. So mm -hmm. let's walk that back a bit. Um, one of my favorite, uh, well actually starting with the two superpowers and what they are, the first yeah. is making the market. And this is when you control so much market share that you actually make the market. And we'll get mm -hmm. into what that means. Uh, the second superpower is differentiating through data. And it's, giving, uh, it's accelerating your head start over the competitors um, in a way that, again, is hard to replicate. So those are the two superpowers. Let's mm -hmm. talk about how that played out in a few industries. Um, mm -hmm. The first is, is the alternative accommodation market with Airbnb. I think everyone here is familiar with Airbnb. Sure. So Airbnb is one of the highest value privately traded companies or privately held companies in the world. $35 billion market cap. Mm -hmm. Now with Airbnb, what you may not realize is that for the first few years, they were really struggling. And the reason they were struggling is because they didn't have enough liquidity, meaning supply and demand on their platform, for it to be worth everyone's time. There, were, there weren't enough hosts or guests yes. to make it worth your time to go to airbnb.com and look for a listing or look for a guest. So what did they do? Well, to get to this tipping point in market share, they actually um, spammed Craigslist um, and posted all these links, driving traffic back to Airbnb. And then a, a, in a few years later, the tipping point had been reached, the company yeah. grew organically, and the rest is history. So that's an example of market making, having enough supply and demand on your network to actually drive this engine. The second example would be a much bigger company, but we'll look at a narrow segment of that company, and that's Google Assistant. Now, I know we have a lot of uh, Alexa fans in the audience, and I was one of those myself. Siri, Siri or Cortana, others, yeah. exactly. Yeah. Um, what you may not realize is that Google is actually far more effective in understanding you and answering your question. It's quite well established if you look at the research. So I just switched myself after doing the research for, for this mm -hmm. talk that I gave. And what, what you may not realize is why. I mean, is it because they're spending more money? Well. Apple has a lot of money to spend, so does Amazon, but it's actually because of the nature of the problem they're solving, right? The, the biggest asset they have is how much data they have to train their machine learning algorithms. Mm -hmm. And when it comes to Google, what's the biggest mobile platform out there? Android, yeah. by a large margin. And so you have more people who are asking questions of their devices, which means it's training the algorithms and making the product better which is boosting sales, which means there's more people to ask questions and the process repeats again and again. So not mm -hmm. only is Google getting better over time, but they're getting better at a faster rate. Yes. And that makes it very difficult to catch up with. So uh, that's, that's an example of differentiating through data. So we had Airbnb on the market making side, mm -hmm. Google Assistant on the differentiating through data side. Give us another example of market making. Okay, another example of market making would be Uber. Okay. Now Uber actually has both of these superpowers because yes. they have so many passengers and drivers that they make the market, mm -hmm. all right, which makes it um, you know, the platform of choice because when you go onto that network, there's more drivers, which means that's going to attract more passengers and more passengers will attract more drivers. Okay. Mm -hmm. So the process repeats again and again. And get this, they're training their algorithms based off of the, the data from 10 billion trips. 10 billion trips, which means they have the best route optimization. They have the best optimization around pricing, the best mm -hmm. background checks and fraud detection. Yep. Um, that all makes it uh, so valuable for a consumer uh, who uses one of those platforms. And so um, if you look at a market like New York City, for instance, um, even the second place Lyft can't catch up. They have 40% yeah. of what Uber has because Uber was first and they were able to unlock these superpowers. 
Zillow to Trulia, Zillow to Realtor at a certain time. Absolutely. So, so let me ask you, how, how much market share do you have to have to have that superpower? Great question. So there's actually a couple ways to know when you've reached the tipping point. Mm -hmm. uh, in, a, in a real estate context, it would be you know, directed towards a brokerage. I would mm -hmm. pose this question. Are there enough in-house buyers or coming soon listings? Whatever your liquidity is, whatever yeah. your asset is, is there, a, an, is there enough of that to make agents want to leave and come to your brokerage? Right, and, yep. and you can measure that by consistent year-over-year -year, uh, growth in listing count, for instance. Yep. Um, when it comes to differentiating through data, it's a little squishier. I would say it's not as much um, about the percentage of market share you need to have, but it's really about the absolute number. So if you have hundreds of data points you're working with, that's probably good for some anecdotal data. Um, but if you want to rely on it for statistical rigor, you're going to need thousands of data points, thousands yep. of buyers and sellers that you can learn from. Okay, so I'm going to press you again. How? So I, I get the the demand side of if I've got all the listings, we saw this certainly during the REO days, mm -hmm. right? If a, if a broker had all the listings, agents were flocking there because it was access to transactions, right? It was right. either access to buy side or open houses where I can get more customers. Um, we certainly see this with the, the boom towns of the world, the Commissions Inc., Conversion, KV Core, et cetera. They're generating so many leads, agents doing the same thing, arbitraging, Zillow, Realtor, Trulia, on and on, right? Mm -hmm. But what about an agent sitting here? What about an agent, like the agent sitting literally, you know, three offices over who is, you know, she does 145 transactions a year. She has 35 to 40% market share in her community. Mm -hmm. Is she making the market? So more likely her, her broker or a network of brokerages mm -hmm. is making the market or not making the market, yeah. right? Yeah. So the, 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 the process, is, is, uh, is circular and the agent is definitely a part of it, right? Yes. If the broker can attract more agents, um, they can get more, let's just call it off-market listings or coming soon listings. Mm -hmm. That attracts the buyers. Yeah. And now, like, now the buyers have to work with you. Yeah. Okay. Now, once you have all the buyers, now the sellers have to work with you because you have all the buyers who are engaged with your brand. And that, of course, creates a FOMO effect where now agents want to work with you and yeah. the agents bring more listings and the process repeats again and again. So this FOMO effect, this fear of missing out effect yes. is very real. And we're starting to see that uh, in a big way today. Sure. Um, and by the way, this is the oldest trick in the book. As you said, the eight brokers have been doing this for a long time. Forever. But there is a big difference between making the market at your local sales meeting where I stand in front of the room and say, hey, I have a buyer, Anyone, or I have a, sales, a listing, anyone have a buyer here? There's a big difference between that and making the market uh, by having every one of your, your, your agents and your consumers searching on an app, um, uh, engaging with your brand and, and, your, and your agents. Or on pre-listings, right. coming soons, right? That's right. only your company, only your community, which, look, we can name companies out there that are doing that in the marketplace. We're seeing it with Compass, we're, see we're seeing it with a lot of brands that have figured out if we hold these for two or three days, being mindful of you know your state rules and your MLS rules, et cetera. Um, but is that an example of making the market? It is, it absolutely is. And, and to answer your question about what that agent should be considering is, is she affiliated with a network that mm -hmm. is providing that tipping point? Is, yeah. it, is there enough data? If you are, if your only affiliation is you belong to a, a five-person you know brokerage shop, yeah. then you probably don't have the data. Now, um, if you can glean insights from a larger group, whether it be maybe it's the Tom Ferry organization, sure. maybe it's Leading RE, yeah. um, you know, maybe it's Realty Alliance, or maybe it's a, a major brokerage or a network of brokerages, yep. then you can pull that off. So when it comes yeah. to which companies are are, are approaching the tipping point. Um, there's a few different case studies that we looked at. The first is uh, Compass, who you're familiar with, of yep. course. Um, Compass in San Francisco has been on a buying spree. So they acquired mm -hmm. Alon Pinnell, they acquired Paragon, Pacific Union, and now get this, they have 36% market share. Now tell me this, if you are a consumer 
and you're a buyer and you want in a tight inventory market and 36% of the market, up to 36% of the market is coming soon on Compass.com, are you not going to go to Compass.com? 1,000%. You have to go. If, if I know about it. If you know about if it. If I know about it. But word it. gets around fairly quickly sure. and you have, a, you have all these top producers out there that are touting this as a benefit. I mean, yeah. even in my Facebook feed, every single day I see agents saying, hey, don't miss out on the market. Come to Compass.com. We're making our own market. That's verbatim yeah. what I saw in my, in my feed the other day. So that's Compass in, in San Francisco. Yeah. Um, then you have, you know, okay, well, what if I'm an indie? What if I'm an independent brokerage? Yeah. Well, let's go across the country to Miami, Fort Lauderdale. If the independents there actually pool their listings or pool their network, they would actually have about 25% of the market. Mm -hmm. That is significant. But there's the key distinction. If they did, if Realogy did the same thing Great with example. all of their brands, Across the country, they, what, I mean, what's their, what's their market share across the country? 30%? It's, well, it, I think it even matters on a more local market. So, no doubt. you know, we're not far from San Diego. We did yeah. research on San Diego. I think they're at the 20% mark. If they got Sotheby's and ERA and Coldwell Banker uh, and, and C21 all to, to, to align, this isn't about merging companies no. or, no, 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 or no, dissolving, no. Um, you know, competitive boundaries, but it, it is about uh, cooperating in a way that, honestly, the industry is quite familiar with, right? The MLS fosters a lot of this cooperation already. Um, but it doesn't captivate consumers uh, the way that you would need to to really make this this uh, engine turnover. So I'm thinking about uh, my listeners right now, and you know, an agent might be saying, "Okay, this is super fascinating, but like, who gives a shit? Like, <laughs> why should I care?" Right? right? So, so should an agent care about this conversation? Absolutely, because if you are not affiliated with a brokerage mm -hmm. who belongs to a larger network of brokerages, and it could be, you know, what Real Scott's doing with the biographic, could be about leading RE, it could mm -hmm. be about any affiliation, it could be a brokerage like Compass that has enough market share in yeah. San Francisco. EXP, Keller Williams, Remax, right. Berkshire Hathaway, you know, I mean, right. everyone, you know, pay attention, right? It's like it's, but you know, but if you're maybe that small independent broker, are you like we work with a ton of people that have their own companies and they've got. 15, 18, 20 agents, and they're set up as a team. Right. Now they belong to the Tom Ferry network, which gives them a network effect. But are you saying that they have to belong to a network going forward or they're going to lack that superpower? I think so. And that's we could a, talk about a, it. That's a strong statement because what what's the number? Like 75% of all brokers or brokerages are these smaller independents. Oh, sure. But, but my point is that those independents, and they already are doing this with leading yes. RE or, yes. or luxury yes. portfolio. Like there are ways for these brokerages to belong to a bigger yep. organization Not or a big network. ARIA, like there's a whole bunch of these. That's right. Okay. And so I think the, the, the key is, you know, these organizations, they all provide something of value. Mm -hmm. The question is, do they provide the tipping point value that we were talking about earlier? Yes. Right. So do they have a good read on consumer demand? Do they have, you know, a, maybe they have a network of listings. So there's mm -hmm. a startup in San Francisco called Top Agent Network, where, yep. where agents can post their coming soon inventory. That's a network. There's strong network effects or superpowers yes. with that as well. Yes. So I think an agent, you know, absolutely can be uh, very uh, careful or intentional about um, which networks they affiliate with in order to get those superpowers. And by the way, a lot of these superpowers are still in their infancy, yes. right? So they're, they're, this is a, a new concept. It's being popularized by companies who are raising enormous amounts of venture capital. I mean, why do you think they're able to raise that venture capital? Is it because they're a traditional brokerage? No. No, they have a much bigger vision in mind, and we're starting to see you know, some of those uh, strategic points coming to, to fruition. It's fascinating. Mm -hmm. I don't think there's been a more exciting time than right now to be in this. I've been in it for 30 years. It's never been more... It, it, beyond inflection points, it's never just been more exciting. Right. Right. New initiatives, better technology, better control of data, better working with agents. 
What you say you? Well, I, I would say that, you know, first of all, it's the largest sector of the global economy. So it's, it's about time that investors, you know, exactly. uh, took interest in this. Yep. Um, you know, when we when we founded the company seven years ago, it was not sexy to be no. in real estate tech. No. Um, but I, I think, you know, the one segment that I think that is understated is the consumer segment. And they're yes. driving a lot of this. Yes. Right. And, and, and so, you know, they want certainty. They want convenience. They want. Uh, their knowledge worker in the transaction, their agent, to be a professional and yes. have access to this tool. I mean, let me ask you this. If you went to your doctor and they say, hey, Tom, um, if you have any questions, just go to WebMD.com. I would run. Right? What about yeah. financial advisor? Go to Yahoo Finance or some forums on there for you? I would run. Same thing. Okay. What about a realtor saying, hey, you know what? My, my, my uh, IDX widget's not very good, so maybe just use a, a third party. Yeah. That's what we do in this industry. Yeah. Right. I really like Redfin's interface. Just check that out and then right. call me when you're ready. Right. And, and by the way, I'm not knocking those agents because I no. think that they're actually the honest agents <laughs> that, that realize that their consumers are going to want more and they deserve the best technology. But, you know, we're hoping that, you know, we can equip agents with that with that platform. Yeah. I mean, look, there's there's a lot I mean, a lot of people listening right now and they're not going to be offended by that. They they know mm -hmm. fundamentally driving people back to another portal is a bad idea. Sure. Right. They just, they know it. And the I just want to give them some credit because I think yeah. it's, it's, it's honest, right? I mean, yes, if, when no I was doubt. in the business, I did that too. Yeah, no doubt. All right. So, so let's talk about the second superpower differentiating by data, right? right? I mean, I think, you know, like if I go to one more conference in 2019 where I hear data, 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 or disruption, 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 I'm going to punch somebody in the face, <laughs> but I understand because I invest in a lot of companies. I invest, I'm mindful of, I understand the importance of big data. Like we have, you know, we're collecting millions of data points on our clients every single month. So I, I get it. So how is that a differentiator? How is that a superpower? And, and what does it mean to an agent listening? Sure. So I think I'll transition into maybe the, the value of buyer data, if that's yeah, okay. Please. So, um, and, and by the way, when it comes to AI, when it comes to these hand wavy uh, terms yeah. that we love to throw around in the yeah. industry, um, agents are not asking for AI. No. Right? And the, consumers aren't asking for it. That's exactly right. So there are ways where artificial intelligence, machine learning can help an agent do their job a little bit better, yeah. but it's not in this you know very magical, futuristic way. It's about prioritizing their pipeline and their CRM. Yes. It's about you know organizing photographs so that when you're searching for a listing, you don't have to click 30 times to find the picture of the kitchen. These are examples of AI yeah. um, that, you know, when they work, it, it, you don't even notice that they're working. It's just very convenient. It's when you go to Google and you type in a search, how many do I, and it fills it in for you. That's and right. you're like, oh, I, I kind of like AI. Yeah. And that's machine learning based off of, yeah. you know, millions or billions of queries on, on Google. Yeah. So when it comes to data, yes, I, I think that, you know, there is a hand wavy component of data um, that we think is, is less important. What we believe is important is an agent's ability to understand their market. Now, agents are, are really relying mm -hmm. on two things today in order to understand the market. One is they're relying on their instinct, which is backed by experience. Yeah. I'm not belittling that. No, and that's God why you no. hire an agent. Exactly. Um, the other thing they're relying on is historical data, yes. which uh, is a double-edged sword. I mean, there's some science behind that, mm -hmm. right? It's better than not having the data. But what's more relevant than what happens... But again, we're talking about, in most cases, old data. That's right. Yeah. In, in a changing market, mm -hmm. I was in New York the other day, mm -hmm. and you know, somebody said, hey, I was on, on a listing appointment, and there was an apartment that sold uh, you know, a few blocks away for $2 million. But that was you know, six months ago? The market's shifted since then. Yes. So what is the best proxy, what's the best data that an agent has access to to reveal real-time demand for a home? And I would, I would argue that the answer is there is none. There is no, there, there, there is no ability to tap into that data today. Um, I don't think that's the way it's going to be in the future. There are companies out there that have the data. Um, it may be diluted or polluted. We can mm -hmm. talk about that. But sure. you have companies like Redfin or Zillow yep. or Compass mm -hmm. or even CobalBanker.com yep. where you have enough consumer search behavior, but the data um, is either uh, proprietary, so it's not being made available to the market, yes. 
or it's being polluted. So let's talk about that. Mm -hmm. uh, I was just, uh, I just saw Rich Barton, the founder and CEO of Zillow talking on stage in San Diego, and he was saying that there are 180 million unique visitors on Zillow every, every month. month. Every, every month. month, okay. How many homes are sold every year? Five to six million. Yeah, thank you. Okay, so even if you yeah. account for the fact that yeah, there's multiple people in a household and some sometimes there's multiple devices, sure. even so, yeah. there, there is a lot of what I call looky-loos or tire kickers yes. on the portals. And there's yeah. no question about that. And that's great. That's their business model. They're in the they're in yeah. the media business. They're, they're winning. That's right. Mm -hmm. So the, the the question is, do they, they have some of the right data, but it's polluted with a lot of shallow intent. Mm -hmm. If you can figure out a way to distill it and really get crystal clear, high intent data from buyers, what does that mean? Buyers who are advanced their home search, ready to make a buying decision. Mm -hmm. um, the MLS is actually has actually is a great source of this because the MLS has property alerts and they're engaging buyers that way. Um, you know, we're doing this, we're doing something similar, but we're, we have a different uh, take on, on the consumer experience. But if you can reveal that data in a listing presentation, you can answer the hardest questions about real estate. What's, what are some of the questions that a, a, a seller would ask their listing agent? How many buyers you're working with right now that'd be interested in my home as an example? Like that would that's be a great. deep, very intense. That's that, yeah. that's a perfect What's, example. How many, how many properties are competing against mine? How fast is it going to sell? How much is it going to sell for? What's that's my right. net going to be? That's right. Why you? I mean, it's 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 yeah. all the same things but, they get but every all day. of those questions that you just posed. Mm -hmm rely on data that may be outdated Bingo. or instinct that yep. you know could be bolstered with, with data. Yes. So um, the first question is, how many buyers are you working with right now? Well, yeah. I mean, how likely is it that Tom Ferry, an agent in Orange County, mm -hmm. is going to be working with the right buyer for this home? Between none and none. Okay. Yeah. What about at your office meeting where 10 people show up for the free coffee and donuts? How many, how many buyers are represented in that, in that room that are going to be a good uh, fit? Maybe one. Okay. Maybe two. And, and maybe the, the broader brokerage, the people who didn't show up to that meeting? Mm -hmm. Maybe three and a half. Okay. What about you know uh, a network of, of ten or twenty brokerages in your market? Probably the seventy. That's right. Of which maybe four or five might write an offer. Yes. So if you can tap into that network, yeah. then you're going to be better off in a listing presentation because you're going to be coming with not just instinct but science. You're going to be able mm -hmm. to identify the buyers who are most likely to buy this home, and you're going to be able to reach out to their their mm -hmm. uh, their agent. Um, when it comes to more of the data side and less of the network side, like you asked about, well, I mean, what about the, how the demand for certain features has changed over time? Yeah. What about 80% of buyers want to uh, you know, be close to the ocean, but only 10% of the active listings are near the ocean? Maybe we can market yes. the listing that way. Four bedrooms are out, three bedrooms are in, right. walk-in closets like we were talking about earlier. So these kind of insights, I mean, but don't agents have access to this stuff? You're telling me that they're, they're not gonna be able to find some of this stuff inside the MLS. They're, I mean, some of it's gonna be intuition, I get. It's intuition, or it's or it's uh, sampling, right? Yeah. If if you if you are uh, doing a broker's open or an open house, and you hear a lot of feedback that hey, you know maybe granite is out and marble's in, yeah, that's kind of helpful. If yeah. you can if you can if you can scale that across yeah. a market with but, more but data one points, is, one is not a data point. One is not a data yeah. point. That's right. And even once the listing goes live, wouldn't it be great to have real time feedback about that listing? Wouldn't it be great to know that twenty percent of buyers out there think your listing is overpriced? Yeah. It's not that you call the business card from an oak broker's open and say, hey, Tom, what did your client think of my listing? They thought it was overpriced. Yeah. Try going back to your seller with more, with, yeah. with just you know, indisputable data. Hey, it's Tom. If you've been listening to me for a while, you've heard me say repeatedly over and over again, we are living in the review economy. That's right. Consumers are making decisions based upon reviews. With that said, I'm looking to get this podcast into the minds of more amazing people just like you. You can help. Would you go to Apple Podcasts and write a review? Tell them what you think. Hey, one star, five stars, make up your own number of stars. Totally fine by me, but please go to Apple Podcast and write a review. It means the world to me. Thanks in advance. Now, let's get back to the show. 
So you guys created this thing called Biograph. Why don't you, I mean, it's not, so listen for all my friends that are out there and you're gonna be like, oh, I, I want this. It's not everywhere yet. Um, how many markets are you guys in now? We've announced four markets. We've announced New York, San Francisco, Silicon Valley, and Orange County. Okay, so you're in four, four marketplaces where certainly listeners that, you know, are, that are in our world are going to be checking that out. Um, San Diego's coming because Patrick's there. Mm-hmm. So, uh, so what is the Biograph and what is the competitive advantage it's going to get to all the Tom Ferry network. Sure, and, and I think that um, it's fair to say that a biograph is actually not a trademark of RealScout. No. Uh, a biograph is just a term, almost like Facebook has a social graph. Yep. Uh, a biograph is just a deep understanding of buyers. So you already have access to your own biograph at your brokerage in, in a sales meeting format, or mm-hmm. maybe use Slack or some other internal communication yeah. tool. Um, we have the ability to allow that biograph to extend beyond the walls of your brokerage because we, when we enter a market, you know, seven, eight out of the top 10 brokerages come onto our platform at the same time. Com- Competing companies. Competing companies. Why do they do that? Well, you know, there was a blog post recently uh, that was published and it said, are we witnessing a black swan event in real estate? Because you have these fierce yeah. competitors, yeah. Uh, like in New York City, Douglas Elliman and Brown Harris Stevens and Halstead. And Corcoran, and, and, and. So right. when, when these yep. companies come together, yeah. um, they're actually unlocking more value for their clients. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so, yes, the Biograph is a deep understanding of buyers on our network because we do such a good job at, at, at engaging consumers and understanding their search behavior. Now you as a listing agent in this network can tap into those insights and start to answer those questions we talked about earlier. Yep. So that is, is what we're excited about. Um, we are we're expanding nationally. I mean, we're, we've grown 300% year over year. Um, we are your, your market, if you're in one of the top 20 or 30 markets in the US, your, your, your market will be announced soon. Yeah. Um, but we are, are partnering with brokerages to Canada? make this happen. Um, maybe. Yeah. We're in talks with a few, uh, major, uh, Canadian companies at the moment. Good. Yeah. Good. Not Europe though. Yeah. Unfortunately. 700 million people in Europe. Got to pay attention to all my friends, all my European that's, peeps that's out there true. like, hello. <laughs> and then Australia, New Zealand. And we're going to focus and perfect it here and Smart. then scale it. Mm-hmm. So, so I want to go back. Let's, let's close the loop on superpowers. Um, you know, certainly you look at, you look at the network effect of companies like LinkedIn, Craigslist. There's so many of these companies that give us this example, um, making the market and then differentiating through data. If there was an insight on each one of those, you wanted to plant into the minds of agents listening right now, just one simple action, read this book, check out this blog, pay attention to this, start logging. We have a lot of clients that track and measure deeply and rigorously. And we have others that I, I question at times if they know much money is inside their bank account. They say they have checks. They think they have money. I'm kidding, but please don't be that person. But you know what I mean? So there's, there's that range, right? Mm-hmm. What, what would you say to that group to help them have uh, some insight around making the market and differentiation through data? Sure. Well, I think to, to the brokerage audience, I'd pose the question, is this something that you think you can do alone? Um, mm-hmm. I would argue the answer is no, regardless of whether you've raised zero dollars or a billion dollars. Yeah. I really yeah. just don't think that any individual brokerage um, has the market share that they would need to pull this off in a really meaningful way for consumers. So yep. the, the question I'd pose is, you know, is it crazy to think that you would bind hands with your competitors in order to deliver a better experience for your agents and your consumers? Clients? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, the question to an agent would be, um, is there a way for you to uh, receive like a, a decent shortcut or proxy to some of this data. So are you really keeping track of your buyer search preferences? Are you um, keeping tabs on what your clients are looking for? What, what can you learn from fellow agents at your office meetings uh, mm-hmm. about what, what uh, features are, are trending? What, um, you know, what has the properties that the consumers are looking for? And, and I would really, you know, suggest ways or, or, um, uh, be a change maker at your brokerage to create, to, to increase the fluidity of conversations at the brokerage where I can match my listing 
with Tom's buyer because we have some kind of network yep. or, or chat vehicle. Um, it's a hard problem to solve. Um, I think that you know it's why what we do we do what we do and why we've only focused on one narrow part of the funnel. Yeah. Uh, when there's all these distractions and people pulling us in different directions, we just focus on this one thing. Love it, love it. All right, so I got one last question for you, and it, it really is about the funnel. So. You know, as a, as a coaching company, as a training company, we spend a lot of time on top of the funnel. We spend a lot of time in the middle of the funnel and we absolutely help people at the bottom of the funnel, ultimately, you know, making transactions, selling houses. So, so, you know, you kind of focus a lot on middle of the funnel, right? So give us sort of your, what's your best insights strategies for people listening right now that, okay, I've generated the lead. You know, we talk, Hey, Facebook is long-term branding. It could be 18 months out, but so could a Google lead. So could, so could a Zillow right. lead that you paid. 200, $400, $500 for, right? Mm -hmm. So, so everything could be top of the funnel. Most of us have figured that out. Middle of the funnel, what say you? So we have some controversial views about yeah. the funnel, right? Yes. Uh, we think that the, the top of the funnel is the part that distracts a lot of agents yep. and a lot of teams and a lot of brokerages. There's always this question of, you know, is my brokerage website or my agent website good enough? Should I yeah. spend, you know, two years redesigning my IDX? Yeah. Does anyone use your IDX? Do you get any deals from your exactly. IDX? Exactly. So the question is, and, and I saw you, you talk about this on Instagram recently, is um, if you were to analyze your past 12 months of transactions, what percentage of them came from the top of the funnel? Now, if you are a total um, marketing whiz and mm -hmm. somehow you've created a machine where you could dump $10,000 into Zillow, you have, uh, you know, you, know you, you, you warm those leads up, you convert them. I'm not talking to you, yeah. but for everyone Because there's a else, lot of people listening right now that that's a major part of their business. And that's great. Yeah. And, I, and I know those people yeah. and they are incredibly good at what yes. they do and they can scale it because they have the systems in yep. place. Yep. For everyone else, there is a question. Should you even have IDX on your website? Does anyone even use it? Have you closed any transactions? And if you do have it, are you focused on the right part of the funnel? So for, for me, you know, I, I think back to my business. I mean, 90 plus percent of my business when I was selling real estate mm -hmm. came from repeat business and referrals, right? Yep. Came from sphere of influence. Yes. Um, if there's a way to increase the conversion from that by 10%, that would have been much better than me doubling my closings from, from SEO. Yeah, 0.01 to 0.02. That's right. right. Yeah. So, you know, I, I do believe that this middle of the funnel is the part of the funnel. And by the way, we have these, you know, cute nicknames for the top, middle, and bottom of funnel. We call, we call the top of the funnel tofu, top of funnel, and middle mofu, and bottom is mofu. Um, but if you're focusing on the top of the funnel, um, that may not be a good use of time. When I was in the business, I, again, mm -hmm. my closings were, were coming from repeat business and referrals. Yep. Why not focus on, on, on increasing the conversion rate there? Yeah. And, and by the way, that middle of the funnel is where no one in the industry is focusing because there's nothing as sexy as lead gen, yeah. right? And so, you know, any of the companies out there, big and small, they're all focused on how to get more leads for you. Yeah. Um, but what about converting the leads you already have? Yes. And that's the tricky part because you meet somebody in an open house, you buy a lead from Zillow even, what, what are you going to do with that lead? Yeah. Right? It's a long haul between getting a lead and closing a transaction. And on the buy side, for instance, like how are you going to foster collaboration and really give that client an experience that they can't find anywhere else? Yeah. They're, they're counting on you. They're relying on you. This is a lot of responsibility. I agree. I agree. I'm a big fan of a third of the people should be calling you, right? Your network, your past clients and sphere. A third mm -hmm. of the people you should be calling and a third of your business should be in some form incubated. Right. relationship management, middle of the funnel with all those leads. Like I, I'm a big, you know, I'm a big diversity guy. Like I don't want all my eggs in one basket. Right. You with me ever, ever, ever. So, so middle of the funnel is relationship management for you. It is, it, do you treat past clients in sphere differently than like, what do you do with all this top of the funnel people? 
Yeah, so by the way, the, the funnel is connected, so you're making a good point. Even yeah. if you are a whiz when it comes to top of funnel, yeah. like pipe that that funnel into, into of course. a platform that's gonna convert them. Yeah. Um, and there's plenty to choose from out there. Yes. Um, and then yeah, uh, I think past clients or, or recent transactions, you mm -hmm. can you can put them on a, on a drip, but you know, I'm sure you, you don't want your, your your coaching clients to be sending, you know, Valentine's Day cards. I mean there's 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 more to it than that, right? You can one thousand send me your Valentine card, but there's sure. a, there's, there's a more to it other than things, that though, yes. right? There's 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 relevant yeah. uh, insights you can you can provide yes. about the, the nature. Neighborhood, yes. right, and and what's sold recently in your neighborhood. So yes, yeah, not to say you know don't don't have those warm and fuzzy touch points, no. but bolster them with you know a, a demonstration that you are the expert in the in the neighborhood. And when they're thinking about real estate, That's they should the be key. thinking about you. That's the whole key. So so I'm, I'm super excited for Biograph to be across the country. Mm -hmm. I, I'm going to even say that I can't wait for it to be in Canada. Uh, Me too. Europe, Europe will be. I'm actually I'm a dual citizen. I'm I'm a Canadian. Okay, so so, so Europe's going to be tougher because there's no MLSs. Nobody cooperates. In, I mean, I, I not say nobody, but like a very small percentage of agents. If you've been like, I know you've been to Europe. I don't think you ever like tried to find an apartment in Europe. I haven't, but I've heard it's a it's a different experience. We so we have documented Michael Polzer, who sat right here in a in a podcast with me recently, that it could take you six months to get an apartment. It could take you it could take you four days to get a call back from an agent. And it could take you seven days to get to your first showing. So my wife and I show up, we're in Vienna, we're in District 1, hi, let's look at the apartment. Oh, seven days. <laughs> like imagine, right? So there's huge opportunity. But the buyer graph, I think, is going to be a game changer across the U.S., no doubt. I'm super excited about what you guys are doing there. Um, any, any closing thoughts? Any closing thoughts? I mean, you know, this was a super, like, if you didn't read the, the article on Inman, I don't think I've ever given Inman a shout out on my podcast, <laughs> who they just said we were one of their featured techie, techie, something, something for podcasts. What, what would be the easiest way for them to search that? Was it just Inman superpowers? Yeah, Google, uh, Google Inman news superpowers. You'll find the article. Um, uh, I think my, my closing thought is this. I think, you know, when, when you read the headlines, I think it seems like all this venture capital is flowing into our industry yep. to turn it upside down, to disintermediate yep. the broker, to change the role of the agent. Um, you know, first of all, change takes time. Yeah. But more importantly, just know that there are billions of dollars flowing into the industry in ways that are designed to support you and support yes. your workflow and amplify the value that you bring to your clients. Mm -hmm. um, I think it's reassuring to know that that exists too, because those aren't the fun headlines to, 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 to write. No. Um, they're not the fun, you know, necessarily the, the, the ones that are, you know, uh, most enticing to click on. Um, but it, it is true. And there are people out there, uh, smart engineers, um, backed by a lot of capital yep. that are out there with one mission in mind, and that's to really bolster the, uh, the, the value that a broker brings to their agent and then an agent brings to their client. 100%. Well said, my friend. Thank you so much for sharing. If somebody wants to reach you, uh, best email or best, uh, best Probably phone. Instagram, A. Flackner. Okay. Mm -hmm. All right. A. Flackner, just straight up, no dots, no hyphens, no. Okay. <laughs> Keeping it simple. So definitely follow him on Instagram. Check out Real Scout. Um, thank you for just a deep, insightful conversation, man. I appreciate you. Thanks, All right, buddy. See you soon. Thank you guys so much for listening. We'll talk to you on the next podcast. If you want more information about this episode, including my show notes, mentions, links, and everything else, make sure you visit tomferry.com slash podcast. That's tomferry.com slash podcast. Thanks again and talk to you soon.